Howdy, everyone. Happy May. It's, uh, what, May 2nd already. Uh, you're watching Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. My name is Carter Laren. Please head over to unsafespace.com to support the show if you can. Um, you can also watch all of our content there. Our live stream is embedded there. Uh, all of our content gets up on there uh, eventually after it's been on YouTube and Rumble and Odyssey and Utreon and everywhere else. So uh, we don't censor ourselves on our own website, so it's a good place to find us. You can also follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. Um, and don't forget to uh, hit the subscribe button. Share the content with a friend. You can do it secretly, so no one has to know. That's fine. Um, and uh, before we jump into the show, uh, I just want to let everyone know the next book club. Yesterday's book club was Gulag Archipelago, um, which was a great discussion. The next book club, if you want to get a head start, is uh, June 12th. And it's House of Leaves by Mark Danielowski. Uh, and Alex Maselli will be hosting that. So go ahead and uh, jump in. You're watching Narrative Dissonance here on Unsafe Space, which is a show where we question the mainstream narrative. Today's show is going to be um, <clears throat> really themed around uh, the entertainment industry as much as possible because we have two guests who are experts in this area. Um, the first is Christian Toto. Christian is an award-winning journalist, film critic, and founder of Hollywood in Toto, which is the only dedicated entertainment news site for conservatives that offers a hearty defense of pro-freedom values. He previously served as an associate editor at Breitbart News and a features reporter slash film critic at The Washington Times. His work has appeared in The Daily Wire, The New York Post, Clear, Real Clear Investigations, National Review, Federalist, Town Hall, People Magazine, and Newsbusters. He's the chair of the Denver Film Critics Society and a member of the Critics' Choice Association. You can follow him on Twitter at Hollywood in Toto or just go to his website, hollywoodintoto.com. Christian, welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you are muted. Oh, there we go. That You're not muted. It's fine. Okay. It was a delay. Sometimes StreamYards does that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully a delay will fix itself. Got but you. welcome. Thanks for having me. By the way, I'm in a yellow bunker because I'm having massive construction in my house. So my background is normally not this awful, but I had to kind of find a quiet place. So we're going to go just do that as we can. Yeah, a Hollywood guy, you're supposed to have like a <laughs> neon lights and crazy stuff going on the dancing girls. I don't know what else goes on in the back. Right. Oh, it's, it's all here. Trust me. Just not today. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'd also like to uh, invite our second panelist, Kevin Downey Jr. Kevin is a comedian and columnist currently writing for PJ Media. You may recognize him from season eight of America's Got Talent, Comedy Central, What Not to Wear, or Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. He has headlined clubs everywhere in the U.S., including the Tropicana's Comedy Stop in Vegas, and can be heard regularly on The Bob and Tom Show, as well as on Sirius and XM Satellite Radio. Kevin is also a proud member of the Armed Forces Entertainment and he travels the world performing for the troops. You can follow him at Kevin Downey Jr. on Twitter, or you can read his work at pjmedia.com slash columnist slash Kevin Downey Jr. Kevin, welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Um, well, let's let's kick it off. Maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll let I'll let Christian start here. What's the most important story about which mainstream media has misled people in the past week? With the caveat that we've already previously said. Let's focus on entertainment if we can. So if people are wondering why you're not saying Ukraineville, we know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think this overlaps with entertainment to a certain degree, certainly freedom of speech and content. It's Elon Musk, you know, just mm. ever since he acquired Twitter, I don't know what the, the bells and whistles are behind the scenes to make that official. 
the media has behaved very badly. And uh, there's been some cartoonish examples. I think there's a clip floating around on MSNBC right now where one of the hosts or co-hosts or commentators, I mean, I, I can't even fully describe how hyperbolic and insane the reaction to this is, but I think this particular MSNBC clip says it all. You know, we've seen this flood of stories where the term free speech is all of a sudden in scare quotes. I think that was from Time Magazine. So yep. uh, the, the media does not want us to get a full t uh, stand on this issue. They certainly want to demonize Elon Musk, who's not perfect and is flawed and is kind of a quirky individual, but certainly is interesting and doing the right thing, it seems like, so far. So to me, that seems like a slam dunk choice. Uh, and it will get worse. And it's just a sign that the media is panicking over this guy who just says, hey, can we have a little bit more free speech, not less? It doesn't seem like something that Hitler would say, but I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, it was Goebbels' famous line, right? Free speech, <laughs> is, that's, that's what he was all about. Kevin, have you been following the, the Twitter acquisition? Of course. It's hilarious. I've never seen such a meltdown. People are panicking because they don't get to stomp on the throats of conservatives' voices on Twitter anymore. Oh, my God, free speech. They're going to know that we're a sham. They're going to talk about it, and it's all going to be over. Of course it is. I mean, look who's crying, and look look what they're afraid of. They're afraid that someone's going to say, hey, you know what? There was no insurrection on January 6th because they need that to be real. So now this Ministry of Truth or whatever the comrade's name is, she's going to decide. And have you seen a picture of her? Like if I had to come up with a crazy, harpy, commie-looking broad, that would be the one. That would be her. I can't, I'd say, Beverly, can you find a picture and put her up on screen? Because I don't – I haven't seen a picture. So, but oh, ahead, she's, she is nuttier than squirrel droppings. Wait to check this woman out. She's horrible. She's out of central casting, be just, no doubt. Yeah, she's going to be the one to say, what, you said there was no insurrection? You're off. But no, there was – I've been following and writing about this insurrection. By the way, no one was charged with insurrection. It's basically, it basically like a bunch of – I would say middle-aged or older. Some were younger, but many were older. All these like MAGA memos going in to take selfies. There was no insurrection, but they need there to be so they can go after people like Margie – Marjorie Taylor Greene and try to keep her off the ballot as they did in uh, Georgia. And they need it especially to keep Trump from running again. So they're going to keep push, push, push. Mm. And that's why they're having a meltdown because right now, Elon Musk, who is hilarious, by the way, he's famously trolling AOC and he's brilliant at it. They're afraid that he's going to let people talk. And when you're on, when you're the bad guy, you don't want people talking the, about the truth. That's it's how you know who's a good guy here and who's a bad guy. The bad guys, have never been against free speech or have always been against free speech. The good guys have never been against it. It's so revealing that they reveal themselves and they don't realize they're revealing themselves. It, it's yes. such a, it's fascinating to watch it in real time that they have no comprehension. They've got no shame. They've got no self-awareness. And that is really about being sort of trapped in your own bubble. And it's so airtight that nothing gets through. And it, it's, you know, we can laugh at it and we should, it's sad in a way. It's sad that they, they they just can't understand what's going on. That we see them, and I. But I, what I want, I really, want, I think there are people who are just too far gone at this point, culturally speaking. But I want sort of people in the center, in the center left, independents, true independents, to really say, to see this and to understand what's going on and grasp it and act accordingly. Because I, th I think that's what's really critical in our culture right now is that people, not just the three of us, but other people as well really need to say, oh my gosh, 
Did they really just come out against free speech? Are they really putting that in scare quotes? Are they really so afraid of more voices, not less? That's ball game stuff to me. And that's where we are right now. I mean, they've they've actually been quiet. I won't say quietly, but if you've been Mm -hmm. listening to what they've been saying for years, they've been against free speech. They've they've been saying it. But but now it's become, um, you know, in the past they would saying it. They were saying it in um, academic articles or you know, little opinion pieces that not everyone read. Now it's, it's literally CNN. I mean, did you see Brian Stelter like make this analogy? Like, oh, it would be like going to a party where anything goes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, hate that, those That's parties. what it's like, Brian. <laughs> he's great. never been to a party, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Arnold, he's the party pooper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So would you guys I mean, actually invite Stelter to a party? He's like, he's like the last guy. I, unless you wanted to make your own potato chips, because he is a potato. There's no reason to ever invite Brian Stelter to a party. <laughs> no, there are all, yeah, these, I, there's all these rumors that he's going to be fired from CNN. I, I don't care either way. He's a clown, but I just know and I fear that he'll be hired within about a week, if not sh- sooner. As soon as he's gone and he's up for grabs. And that is sad. That's really sad. And there are people I disagree with on the left that I respect or I can say, oh, they've got some talent. They've got some ability. He's a clown. I mean, he should actually have a red nose on and makeup and the big hair like uh, uh, Fizbo from Modern Family. That's that's who he is. But well, he's, I mean, he's not received that way. And I think yeah, leftists fail upward. Ahead. Look at Jen Psaki. She's she's leaving the White House <laughs> and she's already got a gig telling more lies at MSNBC. You pay your dues and you move upward. Yeah. The Obamas got, speaking of showbiz, some ridiculous, I think, $100 million contract to come up with uh, material from Netflix. They've never done anything like that in their lives. Tell me that's not a payoff. Yeah. Tell me that wasn't, you were a good comrade, here's your money, go buy your houses, thanks for playing. It, it is reminiscent of, of uh, Soviet-era grift where it's like, oh, now now you get the, now you get the thing. Um but I mean, with with Obama, well, we, we can let's put Obama aside. With with people like Stelter, I mean, you've you've also see just many of the real leftists that I disagree with still, like people that that Jimmy Dore is a great example, right? A progress. I don't like progressivism. I think it's regressivism. I think it's horrible. I'm anti-progressivism. But Jimmy Dore is is a real progressive, and. As a result, he didn't obey the narrative memos that when they were issued, and he's gotten himself marginalized. And so I think all of the people are – I would say most of the people that I still respect, even on the left, are also hated by the mainstream at this point. Um, it's people who are not – because they're not towing the line. They're questioning things like uh, the narrative on the Ukraine-Russia uh, deal, or they questioned the COVID uh, lockdowns and everything else. Um so I'm not even sure it's exactly the the radical left that we're dealing with. It's a particular oligarchical faction of the radical left that's got hold of our institutions right now. Yeah, it's interesting to see the the, the Glenn Greenwalds and the Matt Taibbi's and uh, Jimmy Dore. They they've kind of stayed true to themselves and their principles, and it's made them pariahs in their own party. And uh, they are not backing down. These are really brave individuals. If you imagine you're you're part of one party and then you're cast aside, you know, the other party doesn't really agree with you. I, I mean, it, it'd be so easy just to kind of shut up and, and do as told. 
and they don't do that. It's I, and I give them all the credit in the world that I, I, I spend a lot of time spreading Greg Greenwald's uh, tweets around, and he makes a lot of sense. And I, I think it's really important. I think we should up you kind of lift up these people and just say thank you, thank you for being honest. And I don't care that I may disagree with him on Trump or about you know uh, minimum wage. Uh, any other issues, I, I just don't care anymore. I, I know those issues matter and they're important, but there's something really bigger going on as a culture. And we have to bond together with people who are like-minded. Uh, I'm reading Dave Rubin's new book, Don't Burn This Country. And, uh, you know, he says a similar thing. We, This is not the time to hunker down and kind of say, well, I I disagree with you on this, so we can't be, we can't be chums. Those days are over. It's a different world. Yeah. Do, do you agree with fundamental things like the freedom of speech? <laughs> like the litmus test has gotten pretty low resolution. Yeah. And you know what I love? One, you're one thing that I'm upset about is uh, I cover Hollywood. I got into this career because I love movies. I love Hollywood. I love stars. I basically changed my whole life to do what I do. And I, I here I am still doing what I do, but seeing an entire industry that basically says, Screw you to free speech. We will not support you. We will not attack cancel culture. We will not defend free expression with, you know, obviously some minor exceptions. I'm nauseous by that. I really am. It's, a, it's the one area where Hollywood should be activists and should be uh, outspoken. And they're not. What a shame. What I do appreciate now, you see people like Russell Brand and Bill Maher, who have been just toadies for the left. Who are suddenly going? Well, hey, wait a minute! You've gone, you've gone too far. That, you know, that you, you can't give, uh, you, you can't uh, get a, a sexual reassignment surgery to a, a nine-year-old. I mean, yeah. if you can't, you can't buy a firecracker because he might blow off your finger. But when you're ten, you can decide to remove. That to me is insane. Yeah. Without just your parents' comes, permission. <laughs> there just comes this ridiculous point where the left has said, "All right, now he, not only can men." have birth, but now these children can decide what gender they are. And if you're a good leftist, you just go, yes, yes. And you will just accept it because you don't want to get kicked out of the club. But they raise the stakes higher and higher. And that's why you see pe people like Bill Margo. All right, that's too far. Or uh, Russell Brand, who I never thought would actually say anything nice about our side at all. But both of these guys are coming out swing. Dave Chappelle, more comedian. I, I mean, as a comedian, I love to see comedians making a difference. But I especially love those far left leading comedians who are now like, OK, that's enough of that. You guys, you lost the crowd. As we say in comedy, you've lost the crowd. All yeah. I have to do is go back a few years to see what Russell Brand was saying. He was a raging socialist and also a pretty hypocritical one. One of these guys who's, you know, has a very wealthy lifestyle, yet, you know, uh, kind of embracing socialist values. He was a hypocrite. He wasn't really well spoken. He's always been entertaining. He's always been glib. He's always been kind of interesting. And but his transformation has been radical. I I almost question whether it's really him, whether he thinks this is in vogue right now. I don't know. I don't know him personally. But his his YouTube uh, channel is exploding. He puts up a video. He's got hundreds of thousands of views in just a few hours or maybe just a day. And it's really compelling stuff. He makes a lot of sense. And it really isn't directly political. It is more cultural. But like you said, it's honing in on these absurdities that he just can't stomach anymore, I guess. I mean, I think a lot of I think a lot of people like Russell Brand probably <laughs> viewed themselves as I think I think few people actually think through their political um, ideology and, and start from first principles and say, oh, therefore I'm a socialist. I think I think they kind of 
absorb stuff from culture around them. And and I think a lot of people on the left, um, at least when I was growing up in the 80s, uh, free speech was viewed as a as a lib- it was the liberals who were pro free speech. It was a mm-hmm. liberal issue to, to say that, um, you know, you should be allowed to publish pornography and say bad things and and write, uh, <laughs> you know, Salman Rushdie uh, literature or, or talk about Salman Rushdie like that was all stuff that it was the liberals. It was the it was the cultural conservatives who were against that. And I think a lot of people just said, okay, well, therefore I'm on the left and, and whatever, you know, they just kind of ate the whole package and they took the whole package deal and they said, okay, I'll, I'll take the whole thing. And now they're realizing because the left has jettisoned some of those principles, they're realizing, like, wait a minute, some of the reasons that I first was drawn to the left, which was things like free speech, aren't even on the left anymore. Now it's the conservatives running around going, hey, you should be allowed to say what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, I was reading about the the Berkeley riots for free speech in the late '60s. All right, mm-hmm. those were those were liberals, and now two generations later, their grandkids in Antifa paint their hair blue and then go shut down Ann Coulter at the same college for giving a speech. Yeah, in two yeah. generations, we've gone from let's embrace free speech to let's beat up Ben Shapiro because he said something I don't like. I think some of the most chilling footage has come out of colleges in recent years. The 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 blank stares, the angry faces, the the, the way that they want to shut down debate of any kind. And I think the media has done a terrible job of not spreading those images because if if the average person sees that, I don't think that's like, oh good for them. I'm so glad they're shutting down that speaker. I think that's a real that would be the exception. I think most people say you know, I don't like that conservative speaker. I, I I hate that new Gingrich or whoever it is, Ben Shapiro. I think he's kind of dumb, but I don't want him treated that way. And I, I think if, if the media, now this, the media loves inflammatory visuals. It's what they care about. It's ratings driven. It's wonderful, but they've never really shown them in mass. And I think that's, uh, I think that really hurts us as a culture, because if you see that, if you see those faces, those faces are ugly and they're monstrous. And they're just young people have been so terribly misguided. And I, I think if more people saw that, they'd be more shocked. Uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed actor Josh Brolin for a project. And, uh, it, you know, what we we're talking about was really just starting to brew. And I asked him about it directly because I thought, you know, he, he seemed like a straight shooter. I thought he was kind of well-spoken. I said, what do you think about sort of free speech issues on campus? He had no idea what I was talking about. And I, I don't think he was being a jerk. He literally didn't know because within his bubble – that kind of content, that those headlines don't get to him. And I think that's yeah. really sad. Yeah, the uh, fiery but mostly peaceful crowd <laughs> right. is keeping people from <laughs> seeing that. I I am related to people who firmly believe Antifa is a myth, even though there's a st- there's two stories out right now where they are we're attacking people, like actually physically assaulting people. And they're usually kids in their 20s attacking middle-aged people wearing MAGA hats. Yeah. But no one believes that's real. If you go to YouTube and, ser- and search the words Antifa attacks or Antifa assaults, there's hundreds of videos that no one knows are real. Because the left yeah, says, no, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, and you hit the you hit the the nail on the head there because it's the the media, as you know, Christian, you mentioned they like the dramatic footage and they like they like that for the clicks. 
but they are trying to cultivate it out of the conservative petri dish and they're ignoring the forest of violent behavior coming yeah. from the left right they they show images of nick sandman standing there with a, a kind of placid look on his face and they try and you know prop that up it's like look at the violence and they, they take the the january 6th and they look there's some people slowly walking through the door of the Capitol. It's an insurrection. Oh my God. That guy picked up a podium or whatever. Like it's craziness. And and they do that. And then like Kevin's saying in the same breath, the same people are standing in front of burning buildings saying, well, these, they're mostly peaceful protests here. Nothing, nothing, nothing to see, nothing going on. Um, you know, the Berkeley riots, one of my best friends, I think it was the 2016 Right. It was the one where Milo was speaking and they burned a bunch of stuff. She and her husband were assaulted. I mean, he was beaten with a, a bike lock or something and like knocked unconscious. Um, she was beaten. Uh, another friend of mine was pepper sprayed for wearing a make Bitcoin great again hat, which <laughs> looked like a MAGA hat and was red. Um, so it, it it's it's absolutely insane. And that kind of stuff. You didn't see that in the mainstream media. You didn't see Brian Stelter say, how could you invite people like this to a party? Like that wasn't the Stelter line <laughs> in 2016. It's something that he says only about, you know, maybe Donald Trump will get to tweet again. What, what I've learned in the Hollywood speak is that you used to say it's show business. They're looking for money. It's about capitalism. Show business now comes with an asterisk. It's not just about show business. If it was, then someone would have put out a late night talk show with a right-leaning host well before Fox did with Gutfeld. It's not all about business. And when it comes to the news, it's not all about the news and it's not all about business either. Because a lot of these, these videos that we're talking about, a lot of these stories would actually draw a lot of attention, a lot of clicks, a lot of, a lot of uh, extra money, and they ignore it. The media would rather say the Hunter Biden laptop story is not true and end it as a one-day story than actually pursue it and dig deep into it and have weeks, if not months and months of amazing stories that you have to read. They'd rather lose all of that because their narrative has to be defended at all costs. It happens in Hollywood. It happens in the news culture. It is shocking, but we're seeing it right in front of us. I think the lefty commie push is on because you haven't seen this mm. sort of propaganda since the 30s or 40s, Russia, Germany where the truth doesn't matter. There's something that they're pushing that's way bigger than the truth, way more important than the truth. They are looking to destabilize us. That's why I, I know people that actually believe that the Russians faked a bunch of drug porn videos of Hunter Biden, put them on a computer, <laughs> and dropped the computer off in Delaware, hoping that someone would somehow get it. <laughs> they firmly believe, well, that was Russian disinformation. And when even look at Biden, 50 specialists have all said that they faked these drug porn videos. And my son is a, and it's, it's obviously real. And I, it was something I just, it, this kills me. The left hates Donald Trump Jr. You know, I've never seen him naked. Ask me how many times I've seen Hunter yeah. Biden. How many crack weird. pipes does, exactly. does uh, Donald Trump your own? <laughs> it's unbelievable. That, but the fact that they thought, yeah, the Russians made those. The Russians didn't make that. Everyone had to know they were true, but they just yeah. force fed that lie. And they got, you know, the specialists. Look how deep this runs. 50 specialists said this is Russian disinformation. That's how deep this is. And that's how big of a problem this is. When you can get 50 so-called specialists to say, yeah, they, they faked all that stuff. And then that way 
See, you, they need that lie to be real. That way they could shut down the New York Post for putting it up on Twitter. Well, Twitter was run by leftists, so they were booted because it was the truth. And the truth is not what they want people to hear. I often wondered about the as the election was approaching, I thought, you know, the mainstream media bias has never been this bad, never been this outrageously obvious. And I thought, but if there was a big story that could impact the election in a way that would hurt the Democrats, would they hide it? Have they gotten that bad, that crooked where they would hide it? And now we know. So now the landscape is is entirely different. And we know going ahead that anything is possible and that they will take a video that you and I can see and we can download. And let's say, no, that's not what you're seeing. This is what you're seeing. That's how that's how far we've gone. And uh, to see them over the weekend at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, just patting themselves on the back, what could be more nauseating? Yeah, I, 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 the, I think one thing I just want to emphasize that you, that you said, and I, a lot of people run around saying the problem with, with capitalism and the free market is that people only care about money. And I don't think that's ever been true. Um, I think it is a problem when a business only cares about money and there's no moral compass at all. Absolutely. Sure. Like, I think that's a problem in anyone's life. It's, a, it's a, an imbalance in your life and it, you will be miserable in the end of, at the end of the day if all you care about is money and those are the decisions you make. But that's never actually been true. People do have moral convictions that guide how they behave. And, um, and I think, you know, we forget that. And so people chalk this up to like, well, the news is just about clicks. No, they're not. Well, Hollywood's just about views. No, it's not. It's never been. News has never been about clicks. Um, Walter Durante could have also won a Pulitzer and been just as famous if he had reported the truth that was coming out of Stalin's Soviet Union and out of Ukraine. But he didn't. He instead pushed a lie that he knew was a lie. Um, and that's a decision because of his ideology that has nothing nothing to do with him making more money. He could have been he could have been the guy that exposed the Soviet Union, but he chose to be the pat the uh, I don't know I don't know what the word is <laughs> the, the lapdog of of Stalin. So and by the way, there's a movie about that called Mr. Jones. It came out maybe one or two years ago. It's not great, but it is good and it's well worth seeing to see that whole story breaking down. So it's fascinating. I, you know, we just for book club, we did Google, 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 <laughs> Gulag Archipelago yesterday um, for our unsafe space book club. And I just mentioned that movie because it is an mm. excellent. I mean, again, not maybe not an excellent movie cinematically, but if you if you don't know the history and oh, you yeah. want to see an example of a, a reporter trying to go get the truth and then uh, report on the truth and the consequences of that, it's it's worth it's worth seeing. Sure. Um, by, by the way, real quickly. I, I, one of the many reasons why I truly love Twitter and I think it's so essential is that it's showing, it's letting all these journalists reveal themselves on a day-to-day -day basis and, and they have no idea how awful they look. They have no clue right. that, that they're embarrassing themselves with every single tweet and they go about it. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's almost like a psychological study should be done on these people to say, don't you realize that you're just shaming yourself? With, with by revealing what you're saying on on social media, I I don't think they know it, but it's it's out there. It's 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 hilarious. No, they don't have the self awareness. But by, by the way, is this the is this that's the her. new? That's her. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, she does have kind of crazy person eyes a little bit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Boil a bunny. 
That's what I said. I called. I said there was a time when we would call her a bunny boiler amongst the boys. <laughs> Look at her. Yeah. Tell yeah. me she doesn't have borderline personality disorder. She's exuding right. it. I was just going to say, gentlemen, if you see this in a date, run. Yeah. <laughs> this, do not marry this. Look at that, man. Oh. Craig, <laughs> well, Craig. um, <laughs> Kevin, it's it's time for you to I'll turn the question to, to you because we've we've gone a uh, half hour into the show and I know we only have you for a limited time. What what do you think the most important story uh, that the mainstream media has been lying to us about or misleading us about has been? All right. From a, a show business point of view, there's this new show coming out called I think it's called Generation Drag. And it's young teen boys dressing up as women and dancing for the entertainment of adults. Now, wait, this what? is the way I just phrased that. Doesn't that sound horrific? Did you just that say this? A, wait, <laughs> it's Netflix, Netflix though, right? I think it's Netflix. Yeah, that is a it's TV show. <laughs> I'm going to check. I'm not, I'm not sure where it is. Um, that is an actual TV show. And the left is not only okay with it, they're pushing it. Now, What's it called? It's called Generation Drag. Generation and, Drag. I'm going to look it up while you're talking about Okay. Okay. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but in the late 1800s in New York City, there was a brothel called the Golden Rule Pleasure Club, where young boys would dress as young girls, dance for the entertainment of the men, and then be paid to have sex with them. They would speak in falsetto voices, and they answered to girl names, because that is something people are going to be into. Now, this, tell me this isn't a precursor of some sort. If this isn't, uh, you know... It might not be the entree, but, th you know, this is their starter. You know, this is their appetizer. So we're going to show these young boys. I mean, it's so close to being, I mean, it's disgusting, but it's so close to being repulsively disgusting because you're just one step away now. You've got little boys dressed as girls dancing to entertain adults. Is that not like, how has that gotten on TV? How old are these kids, by the way? Do we know? These ones, uh, there's different kids in it, but it says uh, early to young teens. So like 13, it, you get yeah. like early teens. Yes, absolutely. And they're dance, oh dancing. For, it's disgusting. And it's not getting, I mean, anyone who is talking about it is saying, well, you know, we've really come far, you know, for the trans community. We've got kids dressing as girls, little boys dressing as girls to dance. Look how open-minded we are. Slap on my shoulder. It's not. This is just depravity. I see it as nothing less. I mean, it, it is it, it, it's like our cultural version of the um, the exploitation in in Asian and Southeast Asian countries of boys as prostitutes and that kind of thing. It's it's I don't see it as really any different than that. Right. I mean, I don't either. You, you hit the nail on the head. But the left is blowing this up is look how open minded we are. And if you're open minded, you're going to like this show. You know, there was a time when, there you go. There you go. Yeah. There was a time that if someone had said to me when I was 13, hey, you want to dance around dressed as a woman? My dad would have beaten the crap out of him and me. And I didn't even do anything. But he said, no, it's wow. not going to happen. <laughs> you, I mean, there are people, there's, there's a, uh, a network behind this. They're paying for this. They're paying it's to Discovery Plus. It's, it's the people that were behind CNN Plus. <laughs> oh, is that where it is discovery plus yeah this is their big move speaking of netflix though you know who got her show booted was megan markle oh no i didn't even know she had a show she had some was it a cartoon i think it was a cartoon based on her 
maybe her early years or something, but it was sort of a passion project for her. And uh, listen, you know, you mentioned before how Obama's got all that cash thrown at them by Netflix. I think Netflix is going to maybe be a little more stingy when it comes to the checkbook these days because their stock is falling, their subscribers are falling, and they can't get away with what they did back in the day. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all transpires. Yeah. I think, well, I've, I've noticed there are certain people that get book deals. Comey got a book deal. Um, Stroke, Peter, I think Peter, or McCabe. McCabe got a book deal. It wasn't the same publishers, but they're, they're both publishers were owned by the same parent company. And I just think that that's another one of those payoffs. Like you were the, you were the good soldier. Yeah. Here's your money. And I think Netflix is in on that. But you're right. Netflix isn't making what they used to at all. Well, and Netflix right now, is. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say right now they've got to be in panic mode because they want to push their their lefty commie narrative, but they're losing money. So now yeah. what are you going to do? Well, I think they're still making money, right? They lost 200,000 subscribers in Q1, which is the first time they ever lost subscribers. But they're projecting to lose 10 times that amount in Q2, which is astronomical to me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean – I think their their stock dropped like thirty five percent or something ridiculous yes. in a day. Yep. Um, so I and you know they've done this they've been doing this thing where they were successful because of their technology, um, and then they re, they started funding content, but they just threw money around Hollywood like there was no tomorrow. Everyone and their mother got a Netflix deal, and a lot of the stuff they produced, which is why I guessed that this drag thing was a Netflix. Like they produced a lot of crap. Uh, a lot of crap, and it just didn't pay off. Um, and they've kind of restructured themselves to be kind of more traditional Hollywood studio uh, organizationally, and it just they're not doing well at it. Uh, so I don't know. Will will they will they survive continuing to do this crap, or are they going to have to clean up their act? I don't know. I don't know, but they've got a show called He's Expecting. Now, when <laughs> no, they the don't. Are you kidding me? Oh God, yep. I can look that up. Yep. And so now when everything is against you, when you can see the wokeness oh ruining God. your company and you go, I know more woke, <laughs> let's do this one. And well, make the right. couple Asian. Now we'll hit two check boxes. <laughs> Who's going to pay for that? You know what? I'm when I'm done with, um, uh, what's this show from Chicago? It's not, it's set in Chicago. William H. Macy. Shameless. Yes. Oh, when no, I'm done with shameless, which I almost am. I'm getting rid of Netflix. It'll be gone by the, before the end of this month. I just want to see the last four episodes and I'm done. There you go. He's, He's expecting. expecting. You've got to be kidding me. No. That's what they came up with. Sitting around the board table. We need we need help. Smith, what do you got? I know a dude having a baby. It's going to be the latest rage. Okay. Let's spend a lot of money on it. Wow. This, if this reminds me, do you guys know... Uh, do you guys know who Vox Day is? He's been like banned from every uh, mm -mm. you know, bit, respectable yeah. conservative <laughs> society, uh, probably because he said things before anyone else knew they were happening. Um, but one of the things he did was he wrote a book years ago, maybe 2016, 2014, uh, called S uh, SJWs Always Lie. And one of the – he had a bunch of rules for social justice warriors. And one of them was he introduced a term called convergence – and he basically explained how they infiltrate organizations through the HR department and they usurp the primary purpose of the organization. And kind of like, you know, that fungus that invades the ant that causes it to like crawl to a high place and then like die so the fungus can have spores released from the ant's head and spread itself. Oh. Like it's like that. They like take over the organization 
and they move it to like push social justice in their woke agenda and it will kill the organization eventually but the 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 the, the infiltrators don't give a crap about that they're just trying to propagate the spores of wokeness communism baby that is the <laughs> definition of communism <laughs> by the Burn way down I will- the factory because the goal was to pollute the sky whatever it is they absolutely they will sacrifice anything they have to to get to where they want to be i'll defend netflix on one front i thought they did a nice job with dave Chappelle. i think it was late last year when all the uh, the kerfuffle over his close closer special and mm-hmm. the trans jokes because I think it, they could have very easily just buckled and said, we won't work with him anymore. Uh, we're going to take that special down. You know, we, we want to be an ally, you know, the, the usual spiel. And they didn't. And they went back into business with Dave Chappelle again. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a very, very strong statement from a company that normally would have buckled because all these big corporations are scared to death of the woke mob. And yes. uh, so I, I don't disagree with your criticisms here of Netflix, but on that front, they were strong and they were good and they sent a message and it really, you know, you got to take all these cancel culture victories when they happen. And that was big when I thought. I, you know, I completely agree. And I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because not only did they not take down his special, they said, you're going to produce four more comedy specials. Yes. Yes. And you pick the comics. He's oh, I'm going to do all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. you're right. That was a big move. And that was a big victory because they could have said, Nope, you're out. You know what? Now we've got, he's expecting, uh, part seven. We're going to really push this. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing conservatives often get wrong is they assume that the people that are leading these companies are themselves woke. Um, and I'm not sure. Sh- maybe, maybe it's true for people like Jack Dorsey, although even then I have my suspicions that he's uh, not really ideological. I think he's, he's more of a pragmatist. I'm almost certain Zuckerberg is a pragmatist. I read Hastings is someone that I've been following for a while and I've read his, his book on management. Um, he, I, I would find it hard to believe if he's really trying to push a woke agenda. Um, now, what he is trying to do is build a successful company. And I think he probably, like most technologists, I'll throw Zuckerberg in this, in this camp and, and maybe even Dorsey, he doesn't really know. He, he's not about trying to push a particular political agenda. But if everyone around him is telling him this is the thing we have to push and this is the thing, this is where culture's going and this is what the cool thing is now and this is what we got to do and we have to fund he's having a baby or whatever, like <laughs> he doesn't have any moral compass to stop that, right? He's just being a pragmatist. He's just tr- like, okay, well, how do I how do I make more money for Netflix? And if if he's convinced that he's having a baby is a way to do it, he'll do it. But when Chappelle succeeds, he can't turn a blind eye to that. He can't be like, okay, well, that works. So we got to do that. I just don't think there's a lot of people within Netflix that are even proposing new shows like Dave Chappelle's show. They're all proposing woke crap. And so I imagine that the pragmatists at the top are just kind of tearing their hair out going, why can't we find stuff that resonates with the audience? And it's well, it's because everyone you've hired is not trying to do that. They're trying to find stuff that pushes their agenda. And I just don't think I'm not trying to be too easy on him because uh, I do think it's his responsibility to understand what the hell is going on. But he, they have shirked that responsibility and they've kind of remained cowardly pragmatists just trying to please people around them. And I think that's really the sin there. It's my guess. I think it's funny that they've been talking about diversity in Hollywood for so long. And, you know, in many ways, Hollywood has done a lousy job of being diverse, of being, of letting everyone at the table to get their point of view across, to get their stories told. And I think there's a small part of what's going on now, which is good in that 
you get more people of color getting a chance to show that, hey, they're good. Look at Jordan Peele. He's a black comedian who happens to be a very good filmmaker, I think. And uh, I'm glad he's, you know, I'm glad he's able to kind of share his stories. But the lack of intellect, I'm sorry, the lack of ideological diversity in Hollywood is staggering. And you know, if you gathered every late show, late, uh, you know, Tonight Show, Saturday Night Live, if you got all those writers in one room and you, and you gave them truth serum, and said, okay, all the, all the conservatives or Christians, raise your hand. You know, not a single hand would raise up. And that's why you get what you get. So, you know, there's no there's no one there to say, hey, that that narrative is wrong or this. What about this joke? That might be funny. They don't there's there's just no one there to share that that wisdom. And they don't they don't care to change that, really. And if there were, they get kicked out of the writer's room by the next yeah. season anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a time when Hollywood was hunting communists. Now they're hunting conservatives. Yep. I know oh, yep. people who have to shut up. They just can't say a word. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. It's that, you know, it's your livelihood. If you want to go home, feed your wife, feed your husband, take care of the family. You have to make some some hard choices. And if if staying quiet is your choice, I, I get that. I, it's, it's not the bravest stance, but I get it. I really do. Yeah. I mean, you have to pay the bills. And that's where that's where the bad guys will always win. When you can take away someone's money, you will control them to some extent. And to me, that's why the Stephen Kings of the world are so sad, because when Stephen King came in to cancel culture attack for saying art should be about (laughs) uh, the highest, you know, uh, should be about uh, worth and how good it is and how entertaining it is, as opposed to how diverse it is. He was hammered by the usual suspects. Now, here's a guy who's got more money than any of us will ever see, will ever need, can even dream about. And he immediately buckled. So he could have survived that and thrived. Yeah. But he immediately backpedaled. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if a Stephen King can't stand up to the mob, it sends a powerful message that you and I can't either. Yeah. And you know what? You know who I uh, appreciate standing up is the woman who wrote the Harry Potters. Mm-hmm. She yeah. has that. I was just thinking money. about her, J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and she said, "You know what? Nah, I'm not backing down." Yep. <laughs> and all she yep. did was stand up for women. Yeah, she's not even conservative. She's clearly on the left. Oh no, yeah. she's been, she wasn't far enough on the left. Years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. It's not one of the questions that we started with, but it's we've kind of gone there in this conversation, and something that I've been thinking about. I. <laughs> There's this age-old question of like, does art imitate life or life imitate art? And people have phrased this in terms of Hollywood asking, like, does Hollywood drive the culture or does they do they reflect the culture? Um, I'm, I want to throw that out to you guys because I, I I've been thinking about that a little bit, and I want to get your take on Hollywood's relationship with American culture. I, I think the question. I think the answer is both. I think sometimes, you know, the culture will follow Hollywood's lead. And sometimes Hollywood will follow the culture's lead. I think about back in the 90s, the, the, the Rachel haircut. You know, I don't think we were all clamoring for the Rachel haircut, but we saw a beautiful Jennifer Aniston looking cute on the show. And we all wanted to get the Rachel haircut. But other times, you know, I think it works in opposite direction. So I think both. But I, I think if it happens more organically, it's sort of usually better if it's, you know, a, if it's a screenwriter thinking about what's happening around his life or her life and then injecting that into the work, I think that could be more successful and more uh, and, and more organic. But 
you know, otherwise it's like, I want this to be the story and I want people to follow this. So I think you get both. I agree. And you know what I cannot understand? Around 30, 35 years ago, some rapper pulled his pants down a little bit to be in a video so you could see his underwear. They're still doing that. That is still a thing. <laughs> I saw this guy running from the cops. You're going to sound like an old man like me. You can't, don't criticize that. You can't, that's, we're not allowed to say that. No, of course not. No, they're going to come after me now. <laughs> but I don't know, did the rapper do it first? Did he see someone? And how has that managed to last for decades? That is probably maybe my biggest cultural head scratcher. Because when I see people looking like that, I think that must be the most uncomfortable thing to exist on the planet. I would think my, my mind would be 24-7 thinking, is it going to fall all the way down? What's holding it up? I, I, again, I, I you know, I, it's a get off my lawn thought, but I, I thought yeah. that 25, <laughs> 30 years ago, and I'm still thinking it today. So when I actually was young, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. No, I never understood it either. And thus, we've made this the whitest show ever produced. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, if even if this is this cultural influence happens organically, what happens then if you have the institutions that are producing artists and writers turn um, socialist? If if it's if it's Marxist professors and and a Marxist milieu out of which writers and actors are being produced inevitably you end up pushing mainstream that way because you've this is what's being even organically fed into hollywood movies yeah i mean i, I think we've never seen a pop culture where it's more acceptable and more inviting to share your messages through your work um and we see that with the comedy landscape but maybe nothing's more profound than how comedy has changed for the worse and become more propagandistic than actually about humor, about laughter. And uh, it, it's really sad, but uh, I, I think it's, you know, part of why you see what you see is that it's encouraged on more than one level. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, within Netflix, if you push a, I'm, a he's expecting project, like that's your baby, no pun intended. Maybe you get a lot of, uh, you know, <clears throat> Uh, backslaps, you get a lot of applause, you get a lot of sort of promotion behind the scenes. But mm -hmm. when that show comes out, you're going to see a lot of very fawning media coverage as well. So it doesn't mm -hmm. just happen in a vacuum. It's, uh, you know, anyone who critiques it will be attacked. Anyone who shares its glory will be praised and sustained. So that's how these things operate. It's very, you know, to watch the media in action is, is just to know it's, it's sort of part of this overall machine but it's a pretty significant cog in that machine. I agree. And I think anyone, I think what's going to happen is when that show bombs, which it will, the left is going to say, look how much more work we have to do. We can't even show he's expecting yeah. bigotry. It bombed bigotry. because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Not because yeah. it sucked. Or so, they'll hide the ratings and they'll say, you know, there's a, there's a new talk show. I think it's an HBO Max. It's a black sportscaster. I think he's pretty woke. And uh, OutKick has been really kind of pounding the show because the ratings are microscopic they're so tall small they're so but you would never see that article in a mainstream hey this new show has got cartoonishly low ratings but because it's a show that they support so they hide that story uh, mm -hmm. have you seen the daily show ratings for in the last like year they are abysmally small and mm -hmm. one like late night roundup it came in 13th among all the shows 
Oh and yet God. Trevor Noah, the host, just just was part of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. So why would you hire the guy who's in 13th place to be your 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 showman? He why? failed upward. He failed upward again. Yeah. He gutted that show, too. That used to be a fun show. Even though I didn't agree with the politics, Jon Stewart was hilarious. I used to love that show. But Trevor yeah, Noah I, has yeah. gutted that show. Yeah, I didn't agree with Stewart's politics either, but he his he was good. He was funny. Um mm-hmm. and it was it was worth watching. I mean <laughs> you're making me think of Rotten Tomatoes because there's the audience score and and the the critics score on Rotten Tomatoes and it seems like as long as you produce something that gets a decent critic score, which woke stuff will get a better critic score. Yep. Um then you get sort of a pass internally. Well, you didn't make a bunch of money, but you did the right thing because, look, the the elites liked what you did. So mm. just try again. Here's another budget. Try again. See if you can get the audience score up as well. Um, but if you do the opposite, if you produce something that the elites don't like and the audience score is high, you probably won't even – they're not – they should economically want to throw more money at you. <laughs> but – it seems like they're less likely to than if you do the reverse. Yeah, I've been a yeah. critic for 20 years now, and it's to see how biased my fellow critics are and how they've, I'd say in the last maybe five to seven years, let it just influence what they say, what they share, their reviews. It's really sad because it wasn't that way always. They were, they were always left-leaning for sure, but they were a little more fair, a little bit more honest, a little bit more brutal when they needed to be. But now it's, you know, anything with an anti-pro-abortion uh, narrative, you can just add almost 20, 30, 40 points to the Rotten Tomato score. And then, you know, that works in reverse, obviously. So, yeah, that, that, that is part of the ecosystem we're talking about here. I've taken to looking for movies on Rotten Tomatoes that have high audience and low critic scores intentionally because it's like, oh, they hated this for some reason. That I'll, it means I'll probably like it. <laughs> you know, uh, Stalin had some – I forget – what department this guy was in he was just a pure communist and i think he was in um uh economics and he failed his whole career but stalin kept him there because he was such a devoted communist that even though everything he came up with bombed he was on the right side and i think we're seeing that coming from and i know i use the word commie a lot but i firmly believe it like the commie pushes on and if if you're on that side and you're saying what they want you to say they're going to let you say it yep Uh oh Someone's cutting the grass. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I think there was um, a really important moment with the Ghostbusters swap. The uh, the movie itself was not good, obviously, but the critics graded it on a curve. And and you know that wasn't just me saying it. Richard Roper, who's a kind of a left of center guy, he was with uh, Roger Ebert kind of before that show ended, and he said it too. He said, "Look at it's not a good movie." And I think my peers graded it on a curve. And I think that was 2016 when all the stuff we're talking about was really starting to get momentum. So I think that was a cultural moment where a lot of critics said, we've got to kind of go into activist mode and not just say a movie's good or not, but is it important? And that's going to flavor what we'd say about our uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. All right. And important means push, pushes the right narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, they said that movie needed to be because women, you know, young girls needed to have scientists to look up to. This is about Ghostbusters. (laughs) I don't think they're splitting the atom. They're fighting ghosts. Yeah, you know, my daughter never wanted to be a Ghostbuster, and it's because they didn't do a good job right. 
showing what female Ghostbusters could be doing. <clears throat> Damn it. Um, you know, I know, Kevin, I know we only have you for a few um, a, a few more minutes. So there's just a, some burning questions I wanted to ask you. Like, uh, you said your apartment is called the Atomic Bunker, and it looks like it was furnished by George Jetson's garage sale. Yes. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know what? I can show you something, because I just got this. I can show you absolutely. This is what, this is my new toy. This is a bowling ball, as you can, not a real bowling ball plastic bowling ball and when you take the lid off it's a decanter with shot glasses <laughs> so there's this stuff i've got 20 some years of collecting this stuff around this apartment uh, so if you I'll don't be- bowl if you don't bowl a 300 game you can drink your sorrows and exactly uh I, yeah I, there's nothing here i think older than 65 mm-hmm. oh really so I, yeah i go for that atomic era you know the 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 late 50s into the early 60s boomerang tables and whatnot i, I have a hi-fi uh, nice. but yeah everything here is roughly 60 or 57 maybe 58 to like 66 65 and do you have a rosie the robot i do not i wish i did <laughs> so <laughs> that might be somebody... sexist now oh that's true why does, it, uh, why, is it... why does maid have to be rosie uh, why are you assuming? Yeah, well, gender? that's another reason to have one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We don't know. Rosie could be uh, an a gender robot or a yeah. two spirit robot. Yeah, we have no idea. That two spirit uh, thing kills me. How did those people even get into the the LB, LGBT alphabet with the two? I'm two spirits. How is that even a thing? How desperate are they for for allies? I'm not even aware I, of that one. Honestly, I have to say. Oh, you don't know that one? That's a Native American one. But I I think. Um, I think for me, the big the big uh, mistake that was made in the LGBTQ community was adding T um, like expressions of sexuality are not the same as gender identities. Those are two separate things. Um, even if you accept the entire kaleidoscope of identities and sexualities that there are, um, even if you're to accept that. Putting those in the same thing means you've got someone's sexual attractions mixed up with whether someone identifies as a large empty room, which apparently someone at Google did uh, at, at a meeting. Is that right? And those those don't belong in the same category. And you've now got it's been usurped by um, radical trans activists who are frankly hurting children who might turn out to be gay uh, later because when they they step outside of some uh, gender norm, they're told, "Oh, it's time to." you know, take some hormones and chop off your, your bits. Cause you're not the thing that you thought you were. You know, I think, um, I think when gay people got the right to get married, the left said, "Uh Oh, we need more victims. Cause we had never heard the word transgender before that. And someone said, Hey, there's a couple guys in dresses. Where are they going to relieve themselves? Oh, that's our new fight. <laughs> How many are there? <laughs> oh, about 12 nationwide, but all right, this is, this is where we go from here. Let's throw them on. And you're right. They hijacked the movement. I know gay people that do not like trans people because they hijack the movement. I know gay people who are parents who don't want their their kids uh, being taught about gender queer or transgender. Like, let kids be kids. Yep. I mean, yep. I and think who they that, sleep with as adults can be addressed then. That could be a yes. separate issue. Yeah. You know what? I yeah. think there was one point when I was a kid where I was probably wearing my mother's slippers. 
Now, if my teacher had said, Kevin, you wore your mom's slippers, you might be a woman. You might be a little girl. And I was eight. I would have, you know what? Because I had long hair and I thought I was a girl at one point. You're right. I might be. Oh, my God, I am. I might have turned out Superman. So that would have been been cool. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so, Kevin, before you leave, uh, are there any other stories we should be paying attention to? You can lob a bomb in and we'll we'll be forced to talk about it. <laughs> OK, this the fact that this wasn't huge, but it's not it's not showbiz. But Marjorie Taylor Greene was hauled into a courtroom because some leftists decided she was responsible, partly responsible for the insurrection. Therefore, she can't run again. Now, obviously, they fear her because she is a fighter. But the fact that she had to go to a courtroom to defend herself is insane to me. And the fact that the, I mean, if they want to play by those roles and you know what we need to do, we need to go after some of their people and say, now you prove that you get to be on the ballot. And then we throw something even ridiculous, just make it, make them choke on it. That's the fact that that wasn't bigger or that the FBI is targeting normal Americans. That's frightening. That's not their job. They're not supposed to go get, they arrested a woman named Lois Lynn McNichol, 69 years old, Walking into the Capitol, four guards are there. One's holding the door for her. Oh, get that MAGA granny. She's got to go. Even though Antifa's was Antifa and BLM burned the joint down. They're burning cities. And more than like half, I think roughly half in Portland alone had their federal charges dropped. Oh, but Lois Lynn McNichol had to cough up $1,000 to get out of jail, out of a federal jail, because she took seditious selfies in the Capitol after they let her in. When the government is coming after its own people simply because they disagree with them politically, that's a problem. Yeah, and, and it's a problem that the court doesn't just throw that out right away. And it's a problem that there is no repercussions um, for yes. So this is the thing. No one then takes those FBI agents and the supervisor responsible for this and says, you're fired, mm-hmm. right? What should happen? You should be like, you know what? You have done this one too many times. You are out of here. But there is no accountability at all. They just go right back into the system and do it again. And they do it to the next granny and the next person and the next person. And they're going to get to keep doing it because no one no one stops them. And by the way, my message to the leftists is if you want to defund the police, I'm all about it if we start with the FBI. <laughs> oh, I like that. Very good. That's great. Yeah. The, uh, I think the, the lack FBI. of accountability in our culture is – one of the crises that we're not paying close enough attention to. And I would even say not only are uh, they're being, they're being rewarded for doing it. They're towing the yes. line. They're going to work their and way they, up. They get book deals or book whatever. Deals. Yes. They, they fail their way up me. until they get a book deal. Yeah. Yep. They're rewarded for what they're doing. Now there were uh, some January six political prisoners, nonviolent. They were just in the Capitol taking pictures. They're still in jail. They still haven't gotten to have their day in court. They're still there. You can't tell me that that's clear. That's a stolid move right there. Political enemies for like for misdemeanor trespassing, basically. Exactly. Even though some purple-haired Antifa gender, whatever he or she is. Through uh, through a frozen bottle of water at a cop, or lit a building on fire. Ah, let him yep. go. Yeah, By the way, I, I have I have sympathy for the trans community. I mean, you think about it, you think from the bottom of your heart that you're if you're a guy that you were meant to be a woman. That must be a harrowing experience, and I don't yeah. wish anyone ill. And I think what what's happening in the culture right now is actually doing a devastating attack 
on trans people based on we're we're, we're turning we're 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 kind of basically making people who might be empathetic toward the trans community and making them enraged by what's yes. going on. Yes. So I, I think yes. they're actually they're holding their own cause in a sizable way. And I think it's now, is that worse. on purpose, though. Is that just to create more friction? I, I yeah, wh whatever it is. I just I mean, I just it makes me you sad because like I, yeah. I, I don't I don't wish you I don't wish you on anyone. But yeah. you come after the kids. It's a different issue. Yeah, I, I don't deny anyone's right to exist. I don't care what they do. Just don't groom the kids. Yeah. You know what? You can be whatever. You can be fluid. Oh, I was Bob today. Now I'm Bobby with an eye. I, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But you just live your life. We'll live ours and yeah. stay away from the kids. Yeah. And don't change you know our pronouns. <laughs> yes. I have to run. But thank you so much for having me on. Hey, Kevin, remind everyone where they can find you. And then oh, Christian you can find me at Twitter talking. at uh, you can find me at Twitter at uh, at Kevin Downey Jr. You can hear me. You can hear the Kevin Downey Jr. Show on linewsradio.com every Friday, uh, every Tuesday from five to six. Awesome, thanks. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you all. Yeah. Bye bye. You too. So, Christian. Um, yes, sir. I guess I don't know if we need to put a bow on the on the on the trans thing. I, I I do agree with you. They are hurting actual trans people, and my heart does go out to people who I, I think there are probably. I, I have a suspicion that a lot of the most radical trans activists aren't actually trans at all. Um, they don't actually have that. Um, you know, you're describing this like this deep seated feeling that they're the opposite gender or whatever. I don't think many. I, I my suspicion is a lot of the activists don't actually feel that they're they've got some kind of agenda that they're pushing. Um, because I rem just rewind into the '90s. No one cared if they ran into a trans person. I didn't. No one cared. No one. No one had ill will. I don't remember people. Had, I mean, maybe some people, but mainstream didn't have a lot of ill will towards trans individuals. That wasn't a thing. And now there's a lot of ill will built up uh, because of what the trans activists have done. I also suspect a lot of the people in this community are just suffering. I think they've got mental illness. I think they've had maybe horrible mm -hmm. lives. I mean, not always, obviously, but I, it's just a, it's just a, it's a hard situation. I mean, growing up, living life is hard enough. There's so many challenges that face all of us. And I, I don't want to spend my time sort of having dark thoughts about a community, but it's hard not to, when you see what's going on across our culture, it, it's, it's, it's not where we should be. And, you know, I, I, I think as a culture, I think we've gotten such, so more empathetic, so much more accommodating, such, so much broader in our acceptance of people in different ways, different cultures. And this just seems like things going in reverse. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And the backlash is not going to be pretty. No, oh. I, I mean, I worry about a generation of young kids whose sexual compasses have been just spun and spun what happens when they're in their late twenties and late thirties? I mean, where, where are they? Are they happy? Yeah. Are they, are they emotionally balanced or are they filled with rage for what happened to them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Japan's experiencing a, a population problem right now with an, an aging population. Young, young people aren't having sex, getting married, having kids. Like they're not, they're not populating Japan and, I, I view what we're doing as an order of magnitude worse than what uh, was happening in Japan. So when these kids get to be, you know, in their in their thirties, yeah, I don't know. It, it's devastating. They'll hate the culture. They'll hate their parents. They'll hate mm -hmm. the experts. 
uh, you know, if, if, if they regret their decisions. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what news, what I'll throw the other question to you. What yeah, news yeah. story should we be paying attention to? That well, we I, think have not? I think it's interesting to see what's going on right now. You know, CNN plus didn't do well. Uh, <laughs> Netflix is, is, is floundering. Uh, mm -hmm. Joe Rogan said, yeah, I didn't get canceled and I gained 2 million more subscribers. Uh, you know, Dave Chappelle is thriving. I feel like there are some, you know, uh, Elon Musk is exposing everything with, with his Twitter purchase and, you know, people on Twitter on the right are, are just finding tens of thousand new subscribers or new followers. I feel like we're in a cultural moment and these things are very delicate, but I feel like maybe the powers that be in the culture have been kind of pushing the woke agenda in a way that was inorganic. It wasn't real. And that we're, that something, some reality is poking to the surface. And I, I mentioned it's, it's delicate because I thought that there was a movement in this direction two years ago and then George Floyd was killed. And obviously that mm -hmm. had a devastating impact on the culture and reversed all the gains we were making against the woke mob. So these things can change on a dime. But I, I am heartened. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't like to be too uh, Pollyannish about this and say, oh, yeah, the, the woke mob is on the run. It's clearly not true. But there are some really positive signs. And I think if it can take on an, a capitalistic point of view where, you know, capital is poured into less woke endeavors and they succeed, then I think you could have some real momentum here. Yeah. I mean, we are coming into protest season, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> Uh, so, and, and, you know, not to belittle what happened to George Floyd, but things happen all the time. It just requires the media amplifying something yeah. oh, and yeah. getting oh, yeah. people riled up. So there will certainly be something to be amplified about by June or July. Yeah. Um, but you know, the media so, two years ago had more trustworthiness than it does now. So it'll be interesting to see if they can sort of make us dance like we danced a couple of years ago. I don't know. They still can to a certain degree. Look at every time you see a person wearing a mask in their car alone, you know, the media still has significant power. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've been criticized for mocking people that do that, but, uh, I silently do I, it. So I just don't understand. I really don't understand that one. So I, I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you about a story that I hadn't really been paying attention to, and maybe you haven't, but I'm, I'm, banking on your Hollywood uh, expertise. Have uh -oh. you been paying attention to the Johnny Depp thing? You know, I have and I haven't. I'm aware of it. I've tracked some of the beats behind it. So, uh, well, shoot your questions or what, what did you have in mind? Well, I, I just wanted to get your take on the legitimacy. So based on what I've... So the mainstream media, obviously there's this kind of narrative that uh, he, he's an abuser and yep. she, you know, she called him out during Me Too. Um, and then he's suing her for defamation. Um, and I've seen a lot of people then pick that up and say, oh, she was the abuser and she's guilty of defamation. Um, I've I spent a little time looking at it. I don't actually think she's guilty of defamation at all. Um, but I'm not I just am not sure what to think about it. I was hoping you could do what Brian Steltzer does and tell me what to think. <laughs> well, I, you know, one thing I think it, it's showing us that things are not at face value. We, like you said, two years ago, we thought, okay, he was an abuser. She was the victim. It's a terrible thing. Maybe he shouldn't be Jack Sparrow anymore or maybe anyone else on screen. But what we're seeing play out before our eyes is 
He's a pretty troubled soul. He's got some substance abuse issues. He's not a saint, but she's a kind of a train wreck. And she is not sweet and innocent and a complete victim. That there are a lot of layers here. And any kind of doomed relationship is 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 a mess. And uh, so I think from that perspective, I, I, maybe it'll teach us not to jump to the most black and white uh, conclusions. And I think that's a good resolution. We shouldn't think that way. Um, but yeah, it is complicated. And, and you know, I think he, he must have realized he's going to come off badly in a certain way with some of his antics. But also he's showing the cheap was a pretty flawed individual as well. So I mean, he may get what he wants. And from that perspective. Yeah. I, the thing that I've always struggled with, I, I didn't want to even look into the story because I've never been the kind of person to read like people or us magazine or like, I never cared about the life of celebrities, but a lot of people really do. And, um, and I was criticized for not paying attention to this by a friend who's like, well, you should pay attention because a lot of people are paying attention and it does have meaning and it, and it kind of matters culturally what happens here because, um, because she is representing kind of the me too movement here. And, and it's a, it's a guy defending himself against a crazy lady who's making up stories about him. Um, and that's why it matters. Have we become inappropriately obsessed with the personal lives of celebrities? I think we've always been that way. This isn't new. I mean, this is a, pretty darn high profile actor, a moderately high profile actress and a trial has been seemingly going on for a bit. Was it eight months now? <laughs> it seems like it's Long going time. on forever. Yeah. So, and, and there's a lot of salacious stuff in there. And if you don't believe me, go Google Ryan Long and uh, Amber Heard. And he did a whole car. He did a whole comedy sketch about uh, Amber Heard's ex lovers and how she used to defecate on their beds as well. It's very funny. So, I mean, <laughs> It's like the Will Smith slap. How could you not talk about it? It, it? it works on a lot of different levels from just voyeurism to celebrities nature to how someone can have it all and be a complete and utter mess, which was Johnny Depp. So yeah. I, I understand there's some news value there. And yeah, there, there's there's a part of me doesn't want to dig into this. You know, when I went solo uh, in 2014 and made my own website, one of my kind of goals was to not write about Justin Bieber and not write about tabloid crap. And that was <laughs> I like what that. I wanted to do because my other bosses back in the day would say, you've got to write about that because that gets clicks. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's important. But sometimes these stories do kind of wriggle into the important category. I think even the the Britney Spears the last year or two, her conservativeship mm -hmm. and her freedom, it's a story I kind of avoided, but I also understood there are some bigger issues here that are important and that are in play. So it, it's not as inconsequential as you think, but you know, so that's, that's my general take on Johnny Depp. All right. In in light of the, we're seeing, you know, you've got some, it sounds like cautious optimism that we could be at an inflection point um, against wokeness at, at some point. Um, and we've talked about Netflix kind of decaying, or at least not decaying, running up against a, hitting a brick wall actually before anyone on Wall Street thought they would hit a brick wall. Yeah. Um, so, so really having a, having a slowdown, we've got lots of streaming competition going on right now. You've got the daily wire doing what it was like a hundred million dollars. Something like that, that they're spending on new content. Um, trying to, I well, guess, I know that they're going to spend a lot of money on children's content. I forget the number. Yes. It was, it was significant though. What, what do you think the, 
are are there pockets where non I don't even want to say conservatives, but non lefties can go to start finding better content, or do you think we just have to keep pushing companies like Disney to stop behaving abominably? I, I think we do both because the companies probably won't behave, uh, and I think there is an economic incentive here. You know, the Daily Wire is doing well. You know, I follow a lot of comedians who are not even political. They're just rebellious. Ryan Long is a great example. Mm -hmm. And they're thriving. And they're thriving with Patreon and podcasts and touring and video and YouTube. So they're taking these existing platforms, which are new-ish, and they're basically existing completely outside the mainstream. You know, Ryan Long is not going to go on The Late Show or he's not going to be on Saturday Night Live. He's doing it basically all by himself. And he's crushing it. You know, Tom his ratings are much better than the late show or Saturday Night Live, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, often, often. Yeah. Or or just because he's an individual guy, he probably doesn't have the overhead these big shows have. So, you know, even Tom McDonald, the solo rapper, who's just so interesting, he had a great mm -hmm. interview with Megyn Kelly a week or so ago. Um, you know, these people, like Buddy Brown is a country western singer who went to Nashville. They said, well, tone down the politics. You're kind of too right of center for me. He's like, screw you. And then he went and did it on his own. He's a successful guy doing it on his own terms. So I, I think those individual stories are helpful. I think they show there's a marketplace for this. Uh, I think the Daily Wire's uh, slate is very ambitious. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I think we should also kind of nudge these major companies for a lot of different reasons, cultural, culturally and selfishly, that they should reach out to the other half of the country. My God, how do, how do you look at half the country and say, we don't want you? But that's what yeah. a lot of entertainment divisions do. It's, it's, it's kind of frightening, really. It is. Are there are there directors, producers, writers that you really like that aren't doing this that you follow? I'm going to screw up his name. I don't know why I always stumble with it. I think his name is S. Craig Zoller. Uh, he did Bone Tomahawk. He did uh, Brawl on Cell Block 99 or 90. He did Dragged Across Concrete. He's a really interesting, gritty storyteller. And he's someone that I really kind of follow in, in, a, in a way – um, I like Ty West. He's a director. He does mostly horror films. He just did a movie called X. I don't I don't see him as political at all. Actually, he just gave an interview. He talked about how when he does stories, he says, you know, the politics or the cultural messaging always comes last. Like, I want to be entertaining. I want to tell the story. Um, other than that, I don't know if major, major voices spring to mind uh, on an individual basis. I see sort of interesting voices. You know, I love the fact that Anthony Kumia basically created a free speech oasis with compound media i mean god bless him you know he was a big competitor with howard stern and he always came in second place now howard stern is a shill for the the corporate beehive and has basically abandoned all his values when they which i find uh, that is crazy by the way i mean howard stern, i mean i'm sure you growing up howard stern howard stern was the the contrarian he was the guy that just say anything and do anything and and Ratings be damned and standards be damned and elite be damned. That I'm sorry, I just want to pause on yeah, that. Yeah. That that's crazy to me that he has become I mean, basically just a main he's just a shill for the establishment. It didn't break my heart, it shattered my heart. I grew up on Howard Stern. I used to I used to drive to work, listen to his show. When I left my car, I take out a cassette tape in a boom box I had in my car hit record so I'd, I'd be able to capture the rest of his show. I was obsessed <laughs> with him. 
<laughs> and, you know, back in the day, he was all about free speech and F the FCC. And I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm going to break all the rules. And now he is a sad little man who's cowering in his, ho- his home, afraid of COVID, afraid of free speech, afraid of freedom, which he literally said. I think he said F your freedom or something akin to that. His transformation is shocking and how he can go to how he doesn't like stay up at night thinking, what have I become? I just don't know. Another guy, another case of a guy who has it all, has all the money in the world and who could reclaim his crown as the most rebellious figure in pop culture. But he decided he wanted to be embraced by pop culture. And that's where he is today. So, yeah, I mean, is Howard Stern, I guess he's not a boomer. Is he the beginning of Gen X or the end of boomers? He's 67 ish. Um, so I'm thinking that's pretty baby boomerish, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, when does Gen X start? I'm going to just look it up just because I want to know. I, yeah, I don't I, think he can be Gen X. I don't think so. Yeah, Gen, uh, Gen X says circa 1965 to 85. I didn't know Gen X started hmm. that early. Um, but he's definitely boomer. He's 50, 54 as he was born. So. I, actually, a lot of boomers have followed that trajectory, right? This is the peace and love hippies. Yeah. The, Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, right? Neil, Neil Young's another example. But even a lot of the leaders that we have who are now, I mean, Fauci's age and and that like a lot of the people in the establishment that have brought us some of these authoritarian measures and have been really forceful in, in opposing free speech, we're probably the same people hanging out in the mystery machine in this in the 60s smoking pot or whatever. Yeah, you know, my rage against Dr. Fauci is it cannot be measured by human instruments. But, I do, I, 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 but I've never really thought about what was Dr. Fauci like as a 30-something or a 20-something. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, I, just, I just know the monster he is right now. Um, yeah, it is yeah, interesting I, to see people change. And listen, do you want a Howard Stern in his late 60s to be chasing after women and slapping buttockses and telling fart jokes? Maybe not. You know, there is something that he said about growing up. And maturing and, and evolving as a person and as an entertainer. But when you abandon your core values in such an obvious way, and by the way, he he gave a a, a tribute to Gilbert Gottfried recently. You know, Gilbert Gottfried was one of Howard Stern's very best guests, was on all the time. Was it was yep. an event when he was on. And yep. then by all accounts, basically Howard Stern banned him from the show. Oh, he did. I didn't realize that. It, it was never official. And even when he gave the tribute, he said, oh, he hasn't been on in a few years. Well, why hasn't he been on the year? Because I've heard him everywhere. Before he died, Gilbert Gottfried was everywhere and still apparently – Was he saying wrong think? Is that what was going on? You know, there was some story that he he angered Howard by some of his antics behind the scenes. But the story was pretty mild and pretty silly. But the bottom line is when I was growing up, Howard Stern used to have on Sam Kinison, who was a complete outlaw. And I'm sure he did lots of terrible things, including drugs – but he loves Sam. He had he loved that energy. And he had Sam on the show all the time. It was great radio. So the Howard Stern of your new to get these lightning in a bottle guys and get them on and have them be entertaining. And, and, and that's why the show is so unforgettable. But now it's like, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried, I don't need him. Oh, oh yeah, you do, Howard, because you're so stinks now. And you need someone like Gilbert Gottfried who hasn't sold his soul who still is strong and vital and crazy and wacky and unpredictable because that's what you used to be. Yeah. And I, you know, okay. So I, you don't want to see an old man, you know, chasing women and slapping, slapping butts, but you, he could turn into a, 
uh, a radical curmudgeon, right? He could yeah. embrace his his age and be like, you know, get the get off my lawn from the left, the liberal version of that, right? And just um, and still have that fire, especially because he's wealthy enough that it doesn't matter. They could yeah. cancel him and he would be fine now. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't need this gig. The media has pr- painted him as a monster for 30 odd years. And now he's Howard Stern. They like him now. And I think he likes yeah. that too. Yeah, maybe. Well, Christian, I know you've got to leave soon. So I don't want to, I don't want to keep you beyond your, uh, your time. Can you maybe leave us with some final thoughts for the audience yeah. um, about, you know, whatever you want, actually about whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, a um, couple thoughts. I think we don't, we should all be as courageous as possible when we can be courageous uh, I don't think we should stick our neck out, necks out so dramatically that we lose everything or things that we care deeply about. So when it comes to sort of fighting the cultural wars, you do what you can. Uh, and I think we can all do something. And I think if we all do something, that things will change much more quickly than we realize. Whether it's, you know, supporting an independent artist who, you know, is is kind of blazing their own path. Or maybe supporting someone who got canceled for just absurd reasons. Or just showing up to a school board and say, I don't want my first grader taught about non-binary people they're not ready for that yet we can all do something it's really important that we do it and i think the america that i grew up in was where you could just kind of just go to work and kiss your kids goodnight and be sweet and be a good be a good citizen and the culture kind of worked itself out more or less we're not in that situation anymore we're not it's a different world we can we could we could fight for it we could keep it but we can't stay on the sidelines anymore. That's just no longer an option. Uh, I think that's a, an important, that's an important message. Um, Cause I know a lot of people, it's tempting to sit on the sidelines. I mean, uh, and for a lot of us, culture has just kind of passed, you know, it's, it has fixed itself. You're right. Yeah. Um, and you know, we can do something. I'm not the kind of guy that knocks on doors. I don't work for a local campaign. It's not my skill set. I, I don't want to do it. I'm terrible at it. But, you know, I can run a website and I can run a podcast and I can write a book and I could, you know, spread what I think is important information and promote artists who I think are doing the right thing. And often I don't know what their politics are. I, I, I have been singing the praises of Tyler Fisher for months now. He's a very funny guy. God, check him out if you haven't seen him. I don't even know what his policies are. I don't know where he votes, how he votes, how he cares. He might lean to the right. I'm going to guess he does, but I don't know. And I don't care because he's doing the right thing. And he's really, he's being brave in a space where it's tough to be brave. Uh, so, you know, we can all help. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And there are actually, I think there are actually more of us and I'll say us, not conservative necessarily, because I don't even consider myself conservative, but more normal people who want free speech and like would like things to kind of value some, some, classically liberal uh, ideas that used to be just interwoven into our culture that are being attacked. I think most people, like you said, I think it was you that said this earlier, but maybe it was Kevin that like you show them a picture of what's going on on campus and they're horrified. Like, I think it was you, right? People don't, people don't approve of this. People see a problem with this regardless of what side of the political aisle they're on. So uh, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think, um, there are enough of us that if we all do something little, we'll have a we'll have the change that we want. Yeah. Remind people, Christian, how they can find you, uh, where they can follow you uh, online, and tell people about your book because yeah. I forgot to tell people about your book. 
my uh, basic kind of homepage where you can find me, my base, <laughs> base of operations is hollywoodintoto.com. On Twitter, I'm at Hollywood in Toto. And uh, my podcast is called Right on Hollywood. That's a weekly show. It's part of the Just the News podcasting family. And then my book came out a few weeks ago. It's called Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. It talks a lot about what we we're discussing today. But I think it's important to know that when you, you pick out these certain issues, you might laugh at them, you might mock them, you might be horrified by them. But when you put them all together in a book like I did, it really does show you the ferocity of what we're dealing with here and and how important it is to fight back. And I've got, you know, while there's a lot of horror stories in the book, there's also some hope certainly toward the end of the, of the book as well. So uh, that's a, you can get it at Amazon or I guess anywhere you get books. Great. Well, Christian, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have you back. Uh, so um, thanks. And yeah, thank uh, you. Everyone else, we will see you on Wednesday for Dangerous Thoughts. So thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all that cool stuff, and go to unsafespace.com if you'd like to support us or just sign up for a newsletter. Later. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may be upsetting to Brian Stelter. Please do not expose him to it. For completely legitimate reasons, Taylor Lawrence is requesting any information you may have about the following individuals. The Twitter subroutine appears to be malfunctioning. Pay no attention to it. Did you know that the word liberty is a dog whistle for insurrectionists? If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.